How is everyone tonight? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. We've got a um, really cool music team, don't we? Especially that drummer. I'm going to have his babies. <laughs> I am married, just if I don't know anyone here. Um, and he is on the drums. He was on the drums. So um, this is the kind of space that I'm, that I'm in in my, my life that I'm going to um, touch on. I named this message Love Overflow. And uh, as you can see, I've got an overflow of love in my belly. And um, I say love overflow because it's the process that I'm starting to understand of how God establishes himself uh, in us and um, his kingdom. And so when I have this baby, it's not going to be a replacement of the love for my husband, but it's actually an overflow of the relationship that's already been established. So um, that's what I'm going to look at as a process tonight, is, is him establishing himself here, that expressing, him being expressed in me and through me, and with that expression and that establishment of himself, that will extend his kingdom, that will extend his nature, and that will extend his hand. And so it's not, it's, it's not um, doing things in the kingdom uh, as works, but they are just an extension of what, him, what he himself has established here in the Holy of Holies, in my quiet place, in the place of being alone with him. And so I'm just going to read this um, from Ephesians. For, the, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. The fullness of God. That we've, There's a promise that he will come in his fullness and reveal his fullness to us, that we can operate in a fullness. It's amazing. We've been hearing from Greg that love is the oxygen of kingdom living. And what I'm discovering is that the best way to love people is to truly love God. And the best way to minister to people is to minister to God. Love in the kingdom is different from the world. It's defined by God himself. It's how he sees it. And love in the kingdom is eternal. In the kingdom, it's transcendence. Love in the kingdom has no boundaries, but it's very gentle. It's passionate, yet it's under perfect control. This love cannot be manufactured, imitated, or shallow. It's a deep, wide, authentic love that can swallow us whole with the intention to establish itself, that it would be expressed and extended. 
And the last time I spoke, um, I talked about how Moses was leading the Israelites into the promised land. And um, that he was taking this group of people uh, that were about to be extinguished um, in, in Egypt. You know, they were um, under slavery and God wanted to move them into a place of being distinguished. Being a people that were set apart, that looked different and, and an example to nations. And um, so I'm just going to launch myself from, well, the message from uh, the scripture that I touched on in Exodus, uh, when, when God actually declares his intention of, of what he is hoping for, for his people. So Exodus 19, 5 to 6. Now then, if you will indeed in a now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And so God had chosen them then to be his own possession, to be his kingdom of priests, and to be a holy nation. This was his intention for the, for the entire race of the children of Israel. However, they failed to keep the two main conditions, and that was to obey his voice and to keep his covenants. So when the Israelites were camped at Mount Sinai, Moses went up to the mountain and received the words of the covenant that God was making with them. And after coming back down, Moses built an altar at the foot of the mountain and spoke the words to the children of Israel, and they responded with acceptance of the covenant. Okay, so he puts the covenant forward, um, and they accept it. Then we read on in Exodus 24, 7 to 8, and it says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people, and then said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Later, we know that Moses goes up to the mountain. He receives the tablets of the law um, and the instructions of the tabernacle from God. But while this is happening, the people are becoming impatient. They think Moses has abandoned them. And so what do they do? They build a golden calf. (laughs) And... uh, Moses comes down from the mountain. He finds them worshipping this golden calf. And uh, he throws down the tablets and they break. Because in his, what he's seeing is that they've already broken the covenant that they had just accepted. Reading on, Exodus. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered to him. He said to them, This says the Lord, the God of Israel. Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh. Go back and forth from gates to gates in the camp and kill every man his brother, every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Now, I'm, I'm reading this to give you context. It's, um, it's yeah, not going to just stay there. <laughs> so um, it will lighten up, I'm sure. 
because the tribe, but what was happening was because the tribe of Levi was actually willing to obey and uphold the holiness and the righteousness of God, it was them that became the priests. Deuteronomy 21.5 Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for the Lord your God has chosen them to serve him and to bless him in the name of the Lord. And every dispute and every assault shall be settled by them. The result of the golden calf idolatry was that the nation lost the potential to become the kingdom of priests that God so wanted them to become. And only the tribe of Levi became priests. The consequence of the actions of the children of Israel was that they were unable to fulfill the fullness of the purpose of God. And so what was the fullness of the purpose of God back then? It was that he would make these people, firstly, his possession. Secondly, a kingdom of priests. And thirdly, a holy nation. Why? Why Why was his heart's intent for these three things? And this is what we're going to look at. Because you're probably hearing a lot about this priesthood. And this is the very thing that has really started to fascinate me. And um, God's been revealing slowly but surely what, how he sees a priesthood and what it is. And so I'm just going to explore that a little bit further. God wanted his people to be his own possession that they would worship him and know him. He gave them the tablets with a special covenant that was written, the covenant that expressed who he is and what he wanted his priesthood to be, a reflection of that. God wanted intimacy with his people. He led them cloud, cloud by day and fire by night. God wanted his people to be a kingdom of priests, that they would be able to draw close to him, to serve him, make sacrifices on behalf of themselves and others, worship him, be counseled by him, come to him and to be transformed into his likeness. A people that would know his will, his heart, and would make his name the banner over their hearts, and and he would rule as king. Then God wanted these people to be his holy nation. And the holy nation was a collective of these priests. It's a, it's a group. It's these people being unified um, that saw him as, as, his, as their possession. They would be a people who were one in mind, one in spirit, that was submitted to one God that would bring him glory. This holy nation would be an example to the world of who God is, reflecting his nature and extending his rule. This would be a nation that was so clearly set apart from the world and set apart to the very will and nature of God that they would bring glory to his name. They would be willing to obey and uphold the holiness and righteousness of God. It was them who was to become the priests of God. And this is what the kingdom is about that I'm learning more and more so. It's firstly about being his possession it's about being his and him ours, receiving his nature, his essence, and giving him our, our hearts open so that he can establish himself in our hearts, making his home in this domain. When we say your kingdom come, we're saying 
your nature, your essence, come and rule and reign in this domain. So it's not, it's not only an external kingdom. It's not only your kingdom come, let the, he- the, the sick be healed. It's part of that. But, but it must be established here. It's the ruling and reigning of him here. Because when he when he's here, it's expressed, and so there's no um, striving, there's no trying to make things happen. It is just expressed, and then it extends. And this is love overflow. Even though the Israelites missed out on the opportunity to become and fulfil the will of God. It's impossible for man to prevent the purposes of God in a way that it can't be accomplished. And so um, what we can do is just remove ourselves from any participation of making other things idols, allowing other things to rule um, and, and have its way here, that we would submit our hearts to loving this God with our whole heart, our whole soul, mind, strength, that that we don't take part in how the Israelites took part, that we, we are set apart from that. The good news is God's intention is still to establish a kingdom of priests. And we find the fulfillment of God's purpose in the new covenants. If we look at Peter and his words and God's intention for the children of Israel, we'll see how alike it is. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter said that we are under the new covenants, in our ch- a chosen race, a new breed, made up of people who are a new creation, a people that would be his own possession, a people that would be a priesthood, and thirdly, a people that would become a holy nation. And this is the same thing that God told Moses to tell the Israelites at Mount Sinai. And as we know, Jesus is our high priest, and he's established this new covenant. Hebrews 8. Now, the main point is what has, what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest also having something to offer. Now, if we were on earth, now, sorry, now, if he were on earth, we would not, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. So Jesus has come as 
as our high priest and he has made a way. And if we know that it's still God's um, intention to establish this kingdom of priests, what does it mean for us today? Because we've become a royal priesthood, a, king, a kingdom of priests and kings. And it's under this administration that we start to function as kings and priests, combining these two roles into one that has two, um, two distinct areas of functionality. So I don't, I'm hoping that's making sense. When we are called a kingdom of priests, it's, it's a one function, but it has two areas of being priests and kings. I hope, I hope that makes sense. About three years ago, as a life group, we were um, starting to discover this whole thing about being kings and royalty. And I remember it was such a buzz because it was kind of like this this new understanding that as children of God, we had become royalty. And that meant we had authority. And that meant we should be exercising it. And we should be seeing um, and expecting miraculous things. Um, and that we, you know, as, as royalty, that we could do the instructions of casting out demons and proclaiming the gospel. And it was super empowering. Um, but I haven't really heard anything about the, the priest function. And I'm finding more and more that I'm delighting more in the knowledge of knowing that I get access to God. I have access to the King of Kings. I have access into the holy place. And I actually have access to his plans and his purposes that he wants to reveal spiritual matters to me and to us and that is delightful that I get to come into his presence and be with him and commune with him and come to know him and mysteries that are unfathomable to the world things that I can't read in a book it's it's things that surpass all knowledge that I and you guys have access to through Jesus and it's incredible It's not about becoming kings where we exercise our authority and empower in him to proclaim the gospel, to change things around us, change people around us, to fix things, to command healings, to pray for others, random acts of kindness, care meals, deliver people from demons, and all the other wonderful instructions we've been given. They, these are good things, and these are most definitely part of it. But I'm hoping that we can capture the, the role of a priest is as significant as the role of a king. That the role of the priest um, and the understanding of that function is actually the very place where God establishes himself. It's the very place that we gain intimacy with him. It's the very place that he shares his heart his secrets with us, and it's the very place we should always be ministering from with others. Because if we can minister to God, we can truly minister to people. When we are praying for the sick and we're seeing sick be healed, it's not because it's our authority, but it's because God just showed up. 
It's because there's an intimacy, there's an expression of him has just come into the room and it is now ministering to others. And that is the best love. The best thing we can offer people is Jesus. The high priest in the Old Testament, I'm just going to um, briefly talk about what, what they did. Um, they were the only ones who had access uh, to the Holy of Holies, God's presence in the tabernacle. And what they would do is they would go in with a, a rope tied around them and they had bells on them. And uh, the whole nation would hold its breath because if, if, they, if the jingling of the bells stopped, they knew their sins hadn't been atoned for, that the, the priest that had gone in to make a sacrifice on behalf of the nation didn't make it. So it was a pretty hardcore job, wasn't it? You were risking your life on for the sake of others. I read and was also reminded that the um, Aaronic priest would wear robes of a sort of a specific material, had to be quite specific, and they were not allowed to ascend to the altar in order to make a sacrifice with anything other than a ramp. Just in case, the, when they lifted their leg for the next step, something of the flesh would be seen in the parting of the garments. And so a ramp was prescribed so that they could go up in a gradual ascent that no flesh would be revealed. Crazy. A priesthood would teach the difference. So what would come out of this is that they, they would teach the difference between sacred and the profane. And like we read earlier with the Levites, God said that as a priesthood they would serve him Bless in the name of the Lord, and every dispute and every assault shall be settled by them. So this priesthood, they would be able to discern and judge on matters, be a government that could rule over the people with righteousness and do it justly. They would be willing, again, to obey and uphold the righteousness and the holiness of God. It was them that would become the priests. See, God uses a priestly heart to govern and lead people. They could do this. He, he would choose them because they could do this because they, were all, they loved the presence of God. They loved God more than anything. They loved to be in the place with him where they would risk their lives to just be in the Holy of the Holies. And when they were in there, they would be interceding on behalf of the people, making sacrifices um, to atone their sins. Priests possess a selfless and sacrificial love, and that is why God can entrust them with his rulership. Moses showed us this when he led the people. They were driving him nuts, okay, <laughs> with their disobedience and, and resistance against him. But he, he went up the mountain. We know he went up to the mountain to talk with God. This was when he went up to, to be with God, to seek his counsel on behalf of these people. Moses had no other gods other than God himself. He listened and obeyed and was led by him. And he interceded. In Exodus, we're reminded, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. And he said, O oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sin and claim us as your own possession. You see, he prayed um, and 
well, he talked to God, he interceded, he went and joined God on the mountain um, where he could be encouraged with what he was doing and what God was saying and doing. And this actually cost him his life, this journey of taking these people with him. He made sacrifices. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And so we see Moses in this priestly role, this role of, of um, joining God and um, making sacrifices on behalf of the people, interceding, asking for the Lord's counsel, being encouraged by him. And so the same with Jesus. When we, uh, before Jesus went to the cross, we know that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was ahead of him and the price of sacrifice that he was about to make. He was found praying to the Father, sweating blood, ministering to him and where the Father was ministering back. Jesus needed to be in that place with his Father. He needed to be in the very presence of his King. And I believe it was in the Garden of Gethsemane that actually empowered him to endure the cross, to empower him to take that cross on. Um, was just to be in that place with his father where he knew who he was. He knew who, who his father was. And it was that ministry that was going on in that garden that, that I believe Jesus always operated from. It was always, I don't do anything apart from the father. He knew the will and the purpose of his father. He loved his father. It was all about him. There were no other idols. It was God the father and that, and that was it. And he was willing, again, to uphold the holiness and the righteousness of God. Jesus also interceded. While he's hanging on the cross and paying the sacrifice, um, he, he interceded on our behalf. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Incredible heart of a... Uh, you know the priestly heart is to is to overlook sin and it's to overlook disobedience, but not to just overlook it and leave it, but to intercede and go <sighs> searching God's heart to see people as He does. Because if it was me on that cross, I would be angry and I would be attacking and I'd be like, "What's going on here?" But but Jesus had, had the heart of a priest, of the high priest. And so he interceded and he chose to, to, to see as his father did and to fulfill the very purpose of God. That was more important to him than, his, than anything else. And of course he sacrificed himself so that so that we would have access to the Lord, so that we could come into the Lord's presence and become priests ourselves. We've actually been given the gift of priesthood. We've been given, um, <clears throat> we've been given the covenant to become this priesthood that would know God, possess him, him possess us, so that we can express him, what a privilege. And to extend him, to extend his rule and his reign. It's incredible. And that through extending him, 
it will draw people to know him. It's the best evangelism strategy ever. (laughs) It's great. The priests love God's presence, the Holy of Holies, so much that they would risk their lives, their flesh, they would they would um, sacrifice anything to enter in and because they, they long to know the heart of God and his will and long to hear his counsel and to commune with him. The priest carries the heart for its people and displays a sacrificial and selfless love for God himself and his people. And it's the heart posture that God entrusts to rule with him one day. And today. If we can learn to, um, under- well, if we can understand the function of priests, I believe we will see God's kingdom come, be expressed, and extend itself. And that we will see God's purpose, purposes unfold. which is being his own possession, us being his possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The love, the oxygen for kingdom living, which we've heard about so much, is found and supplied by God himself. And it's in the holy of holies. It's in our quiet place. It's in his presence that his kingdom is established. Um, I've shared this story before, and um, I, I just... I'm thinking of examples of of how I'm seeing this unfold in my own life. And um, as you know, well, some of you might know, I used to work at a retail shop before um, my husband and I um, took on the role of youth pastors here. And um, there was this girl that I worked with. She was my manager, and she drove me nuts um, all the time. <laughs> I just found... I found her um, really controlling, and um, I was getting frustrated with her, and I was constantly moaning to God about her and about this environment that I'm in, and that I was sure he had other plans for me, and what was he doing? And um, (laughs) um, he kind of gave me a hard word in the gentlest way, and... um, He said to me, are you going to be faithful to me in every environment? Or are you going to wait to be in ministry before you start ministering to others? What is really in your heart? Because I love her um, and I have things for her, but, but but you are having your own thing where you're expecting things and, and kind of what your will is, you know? And my will was to be out of there, right? Not dealing with her. But, but it, he opened my eyes and he said, will you allow me to establish my heart for her in you? Will you partner with what I'm doing here? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so it took, it, it took me to go into my quiet place. It took me to enter in to his heart that he had for this girl and, and submit myself to how he, 
how he saw her, how he loved her. And so what happened is when I went into the Holy of Holies, when I went into his heart, he started establishing his heart for her and me. His kingdom started being established here. And then it was expressed. And it wasn't something I had to force. It Suddenly I really had a heart for her. And I would start interceding. And I would start praying for her. And things shifted where I worked. Suddenly we were talking about God. Every day we would sit in the stock room while we were working. And we would talk and talk about the word. And eventually she, um, after about a year or so, she left and I gave her the Bible, and I could highlight everything we ever talked about in the Word. It was just such a joy. But God had to establish His love in my heart. He had to establish His purpose, His rule here, and then it would be expressed, and then it would be extended. At the end, she gave her heart to God, and uh, she she was with us at the rock. Um, but but yeah, the point is, is that the ex- if, if I didn't truly love her and I was trying to just pray for her or run around and do things for her but actually didn't carry a heart for her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be expressing Jesus. I'd be striving and doing my own thing. But God wants us to truly love people and we can only love people by loving him because the priests, the holy priesthood, Learn to love like he does in that quiet place. It's in that place with him, in his presence, that we are defined and others are defined. So as long as we're in Christ, we are his priesthood also. Are we separated from those earthly entanglements that could keep us down? Are we in a heavenly place having access even to the presence of the Father by which we have obtained counsel and wisdom to function? Can we from that place be sent out with, um, without an agenda and without a program but just truly trust the life of Christ in us? It's the renewing of the presence of God from the holy place that will truly affect us and how to love others. Because to minister to God is the truest ministry to have. Because his very essence will be established here. And the very nature of himself and his essence will be ministered through us and to others. We read earlier in Hebrews, he is in a transcendent place and we offered a union with him in that place of transcendence. This is something beyond nationality. This is beyond denominationalism. (laughs) I hope I got that right. It's it's beyond culture. Um, It's something that can't keep us rooted or identified in any earthly thing. It's only um, a union in him. Priests must be transcendent and above earthly consideration. They are heavenly, like Paul, who could say, I have my citizenship in heaven. It's a love without boundaries. And just again, um, when I was in South Africa last year, June, um, I, through a friend, was asked to preach at a church called The Overcomers. And uh, 
I'd, oh, it was awesome. It was, <laughs> there was this tiny little room and it had uh, little fake flowers in a vase and they've got one person on keyboard and that's the worship team. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And it was probably made up of about uh, 40 people and it's, um, it um, was mostly made up of Africans. And so I'm, I was very excited to do this, uh, but I was kind of like, God... It's, I am South African, but uh, I've never uh, ministered to um, a different culture like this, you know, like I've never uh, been in an African church really. And, you know, basically having moments of like, I don't know if I can minister because it's not an environment I'm familiar or used to. But his kingdom is transcendent. It's it's above all boundaries. There's no limits. And so what happened was I, um, I preached just, uh, I think it was on Corinthians. And, and then I said, can we just minister to one another? I just, I just want to uh, be in the spirit with you all. And um, can we just do that? And there was this one lady called Lillian. And she was sort of way older. Um, and, but, but God started speaking to me about her. And he started like ministering to my heart about this woman. And so while I'm praying, um, I see her as a blanket and as a covering. And I see that God says, the pure in heart will see me. You know, the pure in heart see God. And that this woman had a pure heart and she saw God. And that her history was um, her uh, lineage, was it? Um, was involved with witchcraft. And this is just the Lord downloading. And um, that she, because she was pure in heart and she was right standing before him, that this would stop with her because she was the covering. And um, so I just, I started speaking this out, you know, that God saw her as righteous and that, you know, she was pure in heart and he loved her and totally delighted over her. And um, she just, she just was so overwhelmed and just, I don't even know if she understood English, but, but I believe that God was ministering through me to her um, and it was him ministering to her heart. Later I found out that she was actually a Sangoma and a Sangoma is, um, in South Africa, it's a, a witch doctor and she was and then Christ came into her life and she is now this beautiful woman that's, um, you know, kind of the covering in the church, which is just incredible. But this is what I find, you know, with God, when as priests, when we come in um, and allow him to minister to us and to speak to us, he actually starts revealing things about others to us, things that we can't um, read anywhere or um, we don't have to have conversations beforehand, but he's actually giving us knowledge, words of wisdom. We hear words of wisdom or words of knowledge that it's the spiritual gifts. It is, but it's him. It's actually him revealing uh, his heart for the person or his heart for you. And um, it was, that was just so cool, very cool. Priesthood is not, it's not a ministerial profession. It's not a nine-to-five job. It's... It's for us to um, appreciate and, and understand that Jesus has made a way for us to truly come in 
and to learn from God and to receive his counsel, to come to know him in, in a way where he will establish himself in us. Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This is our eternal calling as much as it's a present day calling. If we can learn to minister to him today, it will, it will have us ready to minister to him in the future and for eternity. I don't know yet why, why we will need to minister to the Father, but I believe it's of absolute importance and vital to him that we learn how to minister to his heart because it's going to be needed. When we function as priests, we disciple. We just disciple because he's in us. And when so Jesus says, come follow me, we, we follow, but it's because he actually wants us to be where he is. Come with me. Let me show you how. He's the best teacher, the best counselor. And discipleship is where it happens. When we love one another, we will disciple because he wants to make us a holy nation. He wants a collective people to become the expression of him. And that happens through discipleship. And when that discipleship and that love is truly formed, suddenly we reflect a loving God. We reflect a just God that will speak to villages, it will speak to nations, it will speak to others by just knowing him and learning to minister to him and from that place ministering to others. Oh, just one other thing. When I was in South Africa before I came here, um, one night um, I couldn't sleep and I just had no peace whatsoever. And um, there was no specific reason. There was no physical thing telling me uh, that there was something wrong. But I couldn't turn my bedroom light off. Everyone had gone to sleep. My brother was um, in an outside room that was just part of the extension to the house. And um, his flatmate had gone to bed. And I said, Lord, please, just give me, give me peace. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I don't know why, but I just ask for your peace. <clears throat> and his peace didn't come. And eventually I got, just got fed up with myself and how I was feeling and thought, right, I'm turning the light off and I'm going to bed. And the minute I reached that light, I heard this horrific yelling and screaming. And I... Um, it was so hysterical. I thought I actually thought it was some drunk person running down our garden and uh, was being attacked or something. Um, but it wasn't until I realized it was my brother. It was his voice. And so um, I just snapped into action and uh, ran up to the front door where he was pounding, going, call the police, call the police. And what had happened was these men had broken into the house and he had woken up with them, uh, looking at him, um, and they were going to steal things or something. But it was a it was a very scary situation because there's so much potential of things going wrong. Um, but to me, that again, that was God giving me a heads up. 
that was God speaking to me and and making me alert to what was going on actually in another realm but also in the physical and and I yeah I just want to encourage us you know that God loves us but we let's really enjoy and um take full advantage of having access to him because he wants to show us things. He wants to share things with us. He wants to minister to us. Um, and it's in that place that we can reveal and love others, truly love others in, a, in an overflow of knowing him. I just thought it was interesting. I'm going to finish up here if I can just get the worship team back up. Thank you. You know, Jesus came as a servant first. When he first came, he came as a servant. And when he comes again, he'll come as a king. And so I hope we can follow his example of using this lifetime to be a servant, to truly serve others and to serve God and learn to minister and make sacrifices and intercede on behalf of others so that we can truly be entrusted to rule with Christ one day. Lastly, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which reminds me that I have access to Abba Father. He's my Father and I have access to him. Hallowed be your name. Praise and worship. It's, it's the heartbeat of a priest to give praise and worship to the king. Your kingdom come and your will be done. His plans, his purposes, his nature, his essence come and be established. Give us our day, our daily bread. He will provide for what is needed. He will give to us what is needed. Um, you know, Jesus, when, when he's washing Peter's feet and Peter's like, no, don't wash my feet. And he says, no, you need to understand that you need to take part, allow, like take, receive from this um, so that you can do it to others. And I believe Jesus does that. He, he doesn't expect us to do things that we haven't quite received yet. But it's up to us to receive and then minister out. And um, I believe that is ministry. That is true ministry, is receiving from him and releasing from that place. Forgive our trespasses and those who trespassed against us. Again, I see that priestly function of interceding on behalf of others, even ourselves, our own hearts being circumcised, the flesh being circumcised, going, forgive me for having hatred towards this person or this or that. For yours is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. And that's where I would like to end is that um, going forward, I hope that we can all always... Um, pursue the very nature of God and to really desire his, his will and his kingdom, his nature, um, and not um, just the works, which is awesome, but, but really him. I'm just going to pray, and then let's just worship, and let's just allow time for him to minister to our hearts and us to minister to him. Tell him how worthy he is, how good he is, let him reveal himself to us tonight. Lord, I just thank you for your heart towards us, Lord. I thank you, God, that you call us to pursue love and desire gifts, to first pursue you as a person, Lord, your nature, 
all that is found in you, Lord, and that we will be defined by you, Lord, and we will minister from knowing you and loving you, Lord. I thank you for you, Lord. And I pray love will be formed here in our hearts and in this house as one, Lord, and that we will represent you, God, be ambassadors of your truth. stand and just uh, worship him, give him praise, he's worthy.